Blog Talk Radio. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense. Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Gentlemen, this is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you today. Don't let the little bug behind me bother you too much. That is part of our theme for today. We're going to be talking about the scorpion, the snake, the serpent's bite. We're going to connect some of the dots that the scriptures have laid out for us. We're going to be very careful how we present this information, but it is biblical. I believe it is true. I believe it is spiritual in nature. And It's something for you and I to be aware of so that we could be further prepared for the days that lie ahead. So before we get into our teaching, I want to welcome everyone to the broadcast and say thank you, Lord, for uh, this special time that we'll have together. And today, if you are celebrating the Feast of the Lord, we are celebrating right now the fifth day of the counting of the Omer. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. We're also into the Uh, Fifth day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and so this feast will continue on until the sunset on Friday night. This evening, when the sun sets, will begin the sixth day of the Counting of the Omer. But we have a special blessing today, and I want to share it with you. This is what we do when we count the Omer, and we'll get into what the Omer is all about, but there's a special blessing every day that comes to the people of God. So going back to some of the roots, now we know that uh, the feasts are the Lord's feast, going all the way back to the fourth day of creation, and then of course God gave his feast to the Israelites, and he instituted all the different 
you know, ceremonies and rituals surround, you know, accompanying that feast. And we're in a new covenant, and we always look for the spiritual value in all these things. But let's go back and receive the blessing that comes from the daily count. And remember, the Omer was the, the, the first day of the counting of the Omer was a countdown, 49 days or seven weeks of seven. And then on the 50th day, there was a Shavuot. That was the next great feast in the economy of Israel, okay, that God gave to them. And for the New Testament church, we know the 50th day is Pentecost, which is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But here's what we're going to share today. Today is the fifth day, but tonight will be the sixth days in the count of the Omer. And here's the blessing. May the merciful one restore unto us the service of the Bet HaMikdash to its place speedily in our days. Amen. Selah. He's talking about the temple. Okay, so may the merciful one restore us the service of the temple. Now, we know that we are the temple of God, and there is a service to the temple. There is a building up of the body of Christ. Let's continue. Now, this was a song that was with uh, instrumental music, and uh, this is a psalm. Well, you'll probably recognize it. May God be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his countenance shine upon us forever, that your way be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. The nations will extol you, O God. All the nations will extol you. The nations will rejoice and sing for joy. You will judge the people justly and guide the nations on earth forever. The people will extol you, O God. All the people will extol you, for the earth will have yielded its produce, and God, our God, will bless us. God will bless us, and all from the farthest corners of the earth shall fear him. Amen. So this is the first part of the blessing. We continue. We implore you by the great power of your right hand, release the captive, accept the prayer of your people, strengthen us, purify us, awesome one, mighty one. We beseech you, guard as the apple of the eye those who seek your oneness. Bless them, cleanse them, bestow upon them forever your merciful righteousness. Powerful, holy one, in your abounding goodness, guide your congregation. Only an exalted one, turn to your people who are mindful of your holiness. Accept our supplication and hear our cry. You who know secret thoughts, Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom forever and ever. Again, this is a part of the blessing every day in the counting of the Omer. Finally, master of the universe, you have commanded us through Moses, your servant, to count Sephirot HaOmer in order to purify us from our evil and uncleanness. Now, we know this is done by the blood of the Lamb. We have types and shadows along the way. This is part of the festival or the feast of unleavened bread. 
As you have written in your Torah, you shall count for yourselves from the day following the day of rest, from the day on which you bring the Omer as a wave offering. So once that wave offering was given, once the high Sabbath uh, of the feast of Passover and unleavened bread began, they would start counting. There would be a wave offering. We all know, also know that as the first fruits. The counting, okay, the wave offering. The counting shall be for seven full weeks until the day following the seventh week, which would be the 50th day, shall you count 50 days. So that the souls of your people Israel may be cleansed from their defilement. Therefore, may it be your will, Lord our God and God of our fathers, that in the merit of the Sephirat HaOmir, which I counted today, the blemish that I have caused in the Sephirat Yesod Shebished be rectified, and I may be purified and sanctified with supernatural holiness. Now, we know that the blemish, the unblemished Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, again, is our righteousness. It's not by works. It's not by doing these things. But again, getting back behind the scenes of where everything came from in celebrating, we know that the blemish has been rectified, that we have been sanctified with supernatural holiness. It doesn't get any more supernatural than by our faith in what the Lamb of God, Yeshua HaMashiach, has done for us. And then this continued on, may abundant bounty thereby be bestowed upon all the worlds. May it rectify our nefesh, our flesh, our ruach, our spirit, and the neshama, the soul, from every baseness and defect, and may it purify and sanctify us with your supernatural holiness. Amen. So that is the daily blessing of the counting of the Omer. And if you have not started the count, you should read this every day. Find the spiritual fulfillment but notice, this is all about becoming an unleavened people, an unleavened person individually. But corporately, the body of Yeshua, through the work of the Passover, Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, Christ Jesus is our Passover, through his sacrifice, we become an unleavened people. This is rich. This has intrinsic value. This is not an Old Testament outwardly observed feast. This is becoming, for those who believe or received him, he gave power to become the sons of God, which means no leaven of the old human nature. Now, why is this important for us in the days that are coming upon the earth? We're going to get into some deep territory today. I felt it important enough to uh, sidestep my schedule of where I really needed to be this morning. And I felt like God said, you need to be right here and you need to share the information that you're getting and picking up. So, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to share it by faith. You're going to be the judge, and we'll see where this all leads, okay? So what we just did was we read the daily blessing. Now, if you have been counting from the beginning every day, there is another part of the blessing, and I'm going to read it. Um, and this is the blessing that you would begin with if you did every day, and it would begin this way, Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Kirinitzu or Kirinashinu B'mitzvotav Vetsi Vanu Al Sefarat HaOmir. 
okay? And what that's translated into, I hope I didn't kill that too much, is blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us concerning the counting of the Omer. We know we're sanctified by the precious blood of the Lamb, okay? And this is our faith in the sanctification. But that's how you would begin every day in the counting of the Omer. But if you miss it, what we did is exactly how we would do it corporately and individually. So I pray today that you would receive the full weight and benefit of this daily count of ridding ourselves of the leaven in our lives through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, not by our works, okay, but every day counting up to the next great feast, which is Shavuot or the Feast of Pentecost, that we would receive a spiritual blessing. In other words, the we would be an unleavened loaf. The, the, the leaven would be out of our lives. The yeast would be out of our lives. And we would become more compacted as a people that will offer a sacrifice, okay, unleavened. A people who have been declared holy by their faith, who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, who will intrinsically apply the blood and the work of faith, would apply the tools that were given to us to make us to become for truly, when you stop and think about it, nothing more is going to be done from heaven's perspective to get you and I into the condition that God wants us to be in. And the condition that God wants you and I to be in is holy, to become Christ-like, to be a new creation in Christ Jesus. This is really the truth of God, and it's not until we're awakened to the word of God what it actually says, the new covenant promises, and until we understand the full weight of what Christ has accomplished, will we ever begin to move in the direction of becoming an unleavened people. So let's keep going for it, okay? Every single day, count that counting of the Omer. And so this is the, uh, the six days in the Omer tonight, okay? Thursday night, tonight, when the sun sets, we'll begin the sixth day. You and I are presently in the fifth day, which began last night, at the setting of the sun. So the Lord bless you. Continue to celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And remember that when the seven days of the Feast of Unleavened Bread end, there'll be a high holy day. And then, of course, you'll continue the counting of the Omer all the way up until the Feast of Shavuot or the Feast of Pentecost. And we'll talk more about that as the days go by. <clears throat> so now I want to shift, and I don't know how much time we're going to have to do this. I want to shift into what I would call the most profound unveiling of our times. The most profound unveiling of our times. Some of the information I'm going to be sharing with you are things that I've studied personally and have come up with some conclusions with a teachable spirit. We could always grow on. Some of the things I'm going to share with you, I have heard recently other people say, one dear friend of ours who we've met personally and spent time with, Augusto Perez from The Appearance, um, he and a friend of his, Larry, had a deep conversation, and uh, I was blown away by it because it answered a lot of my own questions, and it confirmed some of my own research. So I want to get into this, and if you are tuned in, and you are watching, or you are listening to this broadcast, I encourage you to get a pad of paper, 
do the best you can to be undistracted. I know when somebody's teaching something, I go way on, you know, I get these little, you know, bunny trails of my own thinking. So we'll do the best we can. And what I want to do is I want to read two verses of scripture in the book of Revelation. I want to tie them together. And then I want to show you something. I believe it's the greatest mystery to be unveiled. If you're just tuning in, you're seeing behind me a scorpion. And we're going to talk about the strike of a scorpion and how it applies to end time Bible prophecy. And so if we are awakened and we are aware, and I do plead the blood of Jesus over all of our minds, over all of our hearts, so that we would not get into a spirit of fear. And if we, if we look at things the way they really are, not just hypersensationalism of anything like that, but if we look at the biblical lens and we go through it, now, what's going on in our world today, I truly believe our understanding is going to be further opened to the times that we are living in that will accelerate our preparation. So first, I want to read out of a very common passage, Revelation 13, and I want to begin in verse 11. I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. And he exercises all the power of the first beast before him. Go ahead and get your Bible. You definitely want to see this. And he causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Now I'm going to read out of Revelation chapter 13, verse 13. And he does great wonders so that he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men and deceives them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast, which had the wound by a sword and did live. I'm now in verse 15, Revelation 13, verse 15, speaking of the second beast. He had power to give life under the image of the beast, and the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Verse 16. And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that has understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is Six hundred three score and six. And we know that number to be six hundred sixty six or six six six. That's what we know. I want to tie in another verse in Revelation chapter nine. One of the most unusual verses I've ever read in scripture. I had a hard time figuring it out for a long time. Maybe you have too. But let's read it. 
Revelation chapter 9, verse 1. The fifth angel sounded. I saw a star fall from heaven into the earth, or unto the earth. And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit, and he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given, to these locusts, that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he strikes a man. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. Well, what could this be? Well, up until now, it's been very difficult to explain why somebody wouldn't just take a razor blade and slice their wrist. It was difficult to explain why somebody didn't just shoot themselves in the head and kill themselves if they had that kind of torment. And this is what I was hearing my brother in the Lord, Augusto Perez, saying in his conversation. He, too, was trying to figure it out, like all of us. Why can't people just kill themselves? And what does it mean to be tormented for five months? Well, if we go and take a look at it, which we're going to do, we're going to do it. Um, so let's go here. This is the best place to start. Uh, the word torment there, they, their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he strikes a man. Okay. And so the word torment there is the bazanizo or bazanizo. And that word actually means pain, torment, toss, vexed. Okay. Now, what I want to talk about is the scorpion bite, or the scorpion did what? He strikes a man. When a scorpion strikes a man. So let me just say that the word scorpion, or we know what a scorpion is, but in the definition, it's uh, a scorpion is the name of a little animal, somewhat resembling a lobster, which in warm regions lurk, especially in stone walls. It has a poisonous sting, a poisonous sting. Write that down. Remember that. I know it's elementary, but the scorpion uh, from its sting, everything is about a sting. And what does the scorpion do? Okay, the scorpion does what? When he strikes a man. So the word strike is the payo, the payo, and the word strike literally is a verb which means to hit as if a, by a single blow, especially 
to sting as a scorpion, to strike, all right? So a scorpion strike, a scorpion sting. All right, stay with me now. Now I want to go to a, and I'm going to put this on the screen for us here. So I'm going to share this on the screen with you, and I'm going to bring it on, and I'm going to do the best I can to enlarge this if I can uh, to get us into there. I want to get to this article here. All right, so let's see if I could enlarge it. Well, I'll do the best we can with what we have. Um, maybe I could do it this way. Uh, I'll enlarge my screen. There we go. All right, so let's go through this together. I want you to pay attention. I've done this before, and I want to make mention that this particular article was many, many years ago, and it was dealing with the RFID microchip, okay? Uh, this was an individual that was taking a lot of great information and applying the information to a microchip, the RFID, and he's going to tell us more about it. And I want to go through detail, and I want to show you how the progression of our understanding brings us to a mystery unveiled, okay? So let's look at this. It's titled Microchip Implants and 666 with the letters or the, the words epicaragma, epicaragma, those are two Greek words, and the chi, z, stigma, okay? And this is where it is going to get amazing. So let's look, number one, at the article, and hopefully you're seeing it as I'm seeing it. <clears throat> there are many people out there pointing <clears throat> to implantable microchips to fit the role of the mark of the beast. Most of the time, biblical evidence to support such claims is lacking. One may even begin to think that such support doesn't exist. But if we look closely at the Greek words directly associated with the mark of the beast, such as epi, karagma, and chi, zi, stigma, it becomes clear that biblical support for such a mark is very strong. Epi, looking into the language of Revelation, one of the most common claims against a microchip implant is that the mark of the beast is supposed to be on the hand or forehead and not in the hand or forehead. You've probably heard that argument before. Revelation, do Revelation chapter 13, verse 16, Revelation 14, 9, and 10, and Revelation 20, verse 4, refer to a mark in the body or on the body? That was the question. Now, let me go forward here just a little bit, and let me go back to my screen, and of course, we're going to open it up. So let's get to the next part. The overwhelming majority, okay, listen, this is important information, the overwhelming majority of available translations opt for the word on. So the Greek word epi, okay, 
they opt in the modern translation for the word on. In fact, most modern versions use on. In contrast, all early versions from 1380 to 1833 side with in. That includes Wycliffe's Bible of 1380, Tyndale's 1525, Coverdale's 1535, the Bishop's Bible, 1568, the Geneva Bible, 1587, the much-beloved King James Version, 1611, Wesley's Bible, 1755, and finally Webster's Bible, 1883. It wasn't until Darby's Bible in 1890 that doubt was cast against in. So in other, word, all, in other words, all the ancient translations of the Bible were definitely all about the mark being in the hand or in the forehead. But in 1890 with Darby came a translation shift and they used the word on, continuing on in the article. It's not easy to discard the work of early Christian martyrs or the 54 scholars that painstakingly translated the King James Version by committee, as well as the work of the wordsmith Noah Webster a man who single-handedly wrote his own dictionary. It would be foolish to write off such faith and dedication in favor of modern versions whose paid translators didn't have the foresight to see how in could actually make sense. According to Strong's Concordance, both in and on are valid translations of the Greek word epi. Epis Many definitions include into, you might want to write that down, or in a place. So listen to the definitions of epi, the Greek word, right? It's into, in a place, and among, among, all of which perfectly describe the placement of modern-day RFID implants, such as Applied Digital Solutions Verichip. The microchips are easily injected into the body in a place of the hand or forehead and remains among the flesh. All right, now remember what I said a little bit ago. This article was written a long time ago before 2020 happened, okay? This article was written about microchips, but what we're going to see here that confirms some passages in the Bible that we started out with in Revelation 13 and Revelation chapter 9, that this could be of speaking of something other than a microchip. And now notice how the microchip is implanted. The RFID implants, okay, they are injected. They take the implants. They would inject it into the body. That's the Greek word epi in a place, whether the forehead or the hand, and it would remain among the flesh. So the microchip would remain. Okay, that's what this article is saying. We're going a little bit beyond that to where we are today. Let's continue on in this article. Now, in order to do that, I've got to once again come back over here. And I need to do what? What do I need to do here? Okay, I need to... What do I need to do? I don't get it. Oh, there it is. So here I guess. Uh, now let's go on. 
So we just read through all of that, and now we're going to get to uh, this area. Okay, so this is going to be good, and let's continue on then. Let's continue on, and we'll go up here, and we'll enlarge the screen. And so a syringe, now this is part of the article. We just read how the RFID implants, such as Applied Digital Solutions, very chip, the microchips are easily injected into the body, into the epi, in a place, epi, of the hand or forehead, and remains among epi, the flesh, okay? And then the article continues on, a syringe will also leave a puncture mark on the surface of the skin, which may even scar depending on the size and shape of the puncture. Payment watches and rings would also be considered on the hand or wrist. Phones, which are now capable of secure payments via NFC technology, could be considered in the hand. Any of these technologies could fulfill the requirement of the mark of the beast to buy and sell, but only an injected microchip will prevent loss or theft. Okay, very good. So in this area right here, I'm, I'm sure you can see this. I hope so. Um, Strong's definition of among. So if you take one of the, the meanings of the word epi, which was among, the Strong's definition of among really starts to make sense when one considers the patented biobond. Now, again, this is talking about RFID chips. It's the biobond coating that enables the surrounding tissues to fuse with an otherwise smooth glass capsule. So if the microchip is a smooth glass capsule that's injected through a syringe into the body, right? Well, this, uh, this biobond allows for the tissues to fuse with the glass capsule. Biobond was a solution to the problem of RFID microchips migrating when implanted under the skin of household pets. So this coating makes microchip implants very difficult to remove without surgery. In other words, like the very chip, the mark of the beast is likely to remain permanently once implanted. Okay, where are we going with this, right? Where is this all leading? Well, in order to continue, I have to do this one more time just to get it right. And then I have to do all this, and then I have to come on down here. So let's start fresh with this word Karagma, Karagma, right there. And then we're going to go back here, and we're going to go here. So he just told you, <clears throat> we just saw that the syringe injects, in his conversation, it was a microchip. Maybe something else is being injected in Bible prophecy. Let's take a look. Remember, we're talking about scorpions. And in just a little bit, we'll see more of this. So, karagma, karagma. So, he was talking about the words, the Greek words, epi and karagma. Epi is in or on, among, in a place, into. Those are the Greek definitions for epi. Now, he's going to talk about the Greek word karagma. The Greek word for mark or the mark of the beast so the Greek word for mark is karagma. Strong's concordance defines karagma as 
a scratch or etching, a badge of servitude, graven, and finally, mark. Strong's also notes that karagma is directly related to the Greek word karax, which means to sharpen to a point and also describes a stake, like driving a stake through a vampire, right? Driving a stake through something. So this word karagma is directly related to the Greek word karax, which means to sharpen to a point. The word karagma means a scratch or etching, a badge of servitude, or graven, or a mark. So as noted above, as we continue on in the article right here, as noted above, one of the definitions of karagma is graven. The American Heritage Dictionary of the English language defines graven as follows. To sculpt or carve, to engrave, or to stamp or impress deeply or fix permanently. So it sounds like, if we're going to start putting the pieces together, in Revelation chapter 9, there's a scorpion that stings people, men, and these people are tormented for five months, longing for death, but they can't die. So something is in them. When the scorpion strikes them, something is injected into them that they cannot rid themselves of. It stays fixed permanently. What is this scorpion poison? What is this scorpion strike, this scorpion sting that goes into people, and once it's in them, they have nothing they could do about it? They are tormented. They can't even kill themselves. There's like something in there controlling them that they can't take a razor blade and slice their own wrist. It sounds like they're under some kind of a control, and the control that they're under is vexing them, tormenting them, creating great pain in them. Now, let's continue on here. In this definition, there's also a Little and Scots, an intermediate Greek-English lexicon, defines karagma as Listen to this. The mark of a pointed instrument. A pointed instrument. We're talking about a syringe. The mark of a pointed instrument. Now watch this. It's also a tattoo, a mark, or a brand. From these definitions that we just read, we get a clear picture of a surface being pierced by a sharp point or the act of using a tool to engrave. The relationship between the mark of the beast, the karagma, and a syringe that pierces the skin is obvious. It's also been noted that a microchip is etched or engraved during its production. So going to back to the microchip philosophy, and thought of this article. We believe that 
that, the, the, that back then, that technology was the thing that they were concerned about, still may be, but there's something that has advanced where you get a syringe that drips poison from a scorpion bite from a sharp instrument that goes into your body that once it goes in, it integrates and assembles, but you cannot get rid of it. And you can't die even though you'll wish for death. Very interesting. So let's go a little further. The definitions of karagma, coupled with the fact that subdermal microchips are injected using a specialized syringe make it clear that the mark of the beast could very well be a microchip implanted into the hand. Or it could also be, as you're going to see in just a moment, and what the definition really was, it was, the, uh, it was what you align yourself with, what you give your allegiance to, okay, a badge of servitude. And you wonder, okay, whoever's going to get the microchip, right, or the syringe that's going to put the microchip into the body, whatever the scorpion's poison is that stings the people with a sharp-pointed instrument, we're going to get into that, that maybe these are people that are lining themselves up with telling everybody that's not getting this, that they're bad. We'll see. So a little bit more. The earliest use of the word karagma outside of the Bible describes, listen to this, the piercing bite of a snake. Mm. There's a disturbing connection between the piercing serpent Satan in Isaiah 27.1, and just in case we don't remember what that says, Isaiah 27.1 says this, In that day the Lord with his sore and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent, even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, and he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. So, again, there's a disturbing connection between the piercing serpent, Satan, in Isaiah 27.1, the bite of the serpent, karagma. Okay, because again, the earliest use of the word karagma, the Greek word for mark, as in mark of the beast, outside of the Bible describes the piercing bite of a snake. Okay, so <clears throat> there's this disturbing connection between the piercing serpent, the bite of the serpent, karagma, and syringe injectable microchips or whatever else the poison of a scorpion would be okay this verse brings to mind the serpent in revelation 20 verse 2 which gives power to the beast in revelation 13 4. let's go a little bit deeper <clears throat> in this little box down here karagma is an engraved etched branded or inscribed mark or sign closest to the original sense is the earliest example in Sophia Philly 267 where karagma denotes okay that's that's more literature karagma denotes the bite of 
a snake. When a snake bites you, the venom goes in and poisons the people. Let me get to the next part of the screen here. All right, so let's go here. Let me get back over here, and let's go a little bit further down the road. Now, I want to show you this picture because it's really pretty amazing. Um, and I want to stay right here is where we picked up. So I'm going to go here and just get back over here and put this. I want to show you the picture here, if you can see it. Uh, so we just read that the closest to the original sense is the earliest example in Soph, Sophia, Phil, Phil in page 267, where Karagma denotes the bite of a snake. That's the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament, volume 9, page 416. It's this quote, any mark engraved, imprinted, or branded. And then chapter, in chitness, the serpent's mark, i.e. its bite or sting. All right, so now let's take a look at the picture. If you can notice, if you're seeing what I'm seeing, you see the outline of a serpent here and its fangs. And then they've circled a fang. So Karagma, according to Henry George Little and Robert Scott, a Greek-English lexicon, uh, you'll see a syringe down here with a microchip. You'll see a serpent's fangs. Okay, so they're equating the two. And then the article goes on to say, I challenge you to think of something in the natural world that resembles a syringe more closely than the fang of a snake. Now, the book of Amos mentions the day of the Lord and a serpent bite to the hand in consecutive verses. The lion and bear mentioned in the same passage also bring to mind the beast in Revelation 13.2, this may foreshadow the mark of the beast in the last days. So let's read the scripture out of Amos chapter 5, verse 18 and 19. Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. As if a man did flee from a lion and a bear met him, or went into the house and leaned his hand on the wall, and a serpent bit him. There's an important warning in verse 18 about desiring the last days. Even though we may recognize the signs of the times, we should not long to see the death of other people. Okay, well, I, I disagree a little bit with this article in this sense, where it says, even though we may recognize the signs of the times, we should in no way desire or try to hasten them because they are full of pain and suffering. So the Bible actually in 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter says, let us therefore hasten the day of the Lord. So again, I understand what's being said. We don't, want, we don't long for doom and death and violence and people that are longing for death and can't die. That's a very dark and gloomy reality. But for the people of God, hastening the day of the Lord is a good thing to hurry it up because we want the Lord to return. We want to get through this nightmare that's coming on the earth. So let me now go to, I'm going to go one more time uh, to this. And I want to bring this down to the article. And I'm going to bypass a little bit of this because I want to get to the cheesy stigma right now. This is where we want to be. 
And let me just go over just something. We have just taken some time and we've studied two Greek words, the epi and the karagma. Epi meaning in, on, among, into, into a place. We saw how they injected microchips into a place and how the microchip, because of that biobond, the goo that was necessary to keep it in the body, it integrates and remains among the flesh. You can't get it out except for surgery. Okay? So we saw how that worked. Then we saw the karagma, uh, the actual word for mark, and we saw everything about snake venom. We saw syringes, sharp-pointed instruments, all the information and all the different study tools unveiled this mystery about what it looks like. Now, we were reading in uh, Revelation 9 about a scorpion's bite or the, a scorpion striking or stinging um, a, or biting a person. So when a scorpion or a serpent strikes, the, the sharp-pointed fang releases the poison into the body. So we have to ask ourselves in our generation, is there anything beyond a microchip at this point that is actually coming through a sharp-pointed instrument called a syringe with some scorpion serpent of venom of poison that actually goes into the body and integrates and remains in it and stays among it uh, and causes a, a, an internal environment where people are longing for death and are tormented, but they can't die. They don't even have the ability to cut their wrist and drain themselves or shoot themselves. There's some kind of something going on here that's really weird. But wait, this is just the beginning of why the 5G towers are being implemented all over the world and fast-forwarding into the Gen 6 or the, five, uh, or the 6G towers that are coming. 6G, as our friend and our dear brother uh, Brian told us about 6G towers or Gen Genesis chapter 6, 6th generation, Genesis chapter 6, the days of Noah, right? Uh, we're going to look at that in just a moment. Let's look at the next part of this study, the chi, the z, and the stigma. The chi is the Greek letter for 600. The Z is the letter for the numeral 60. The stigma is the letter, the Greek letter for six. Now, at first glance, I've shared this before. I thought this was an incredible situation. The Chi, C-H-I, as you can see up top there, if you're looking at it, if you see this right up here, the Chi, Z, stigma, the Chi, or three first letters of China, Z, X-I, is the president premier, Xi Jinping, right? Xi Jinping. So there's the man's name, President Z, X-I, right? Xi, 600, C-H-I, just short of an N-A for China. The Z, the X-I, the number of a man's name, sounds familiar. When you go back to Revelation 13, this is the number of a man, right? Well, it's the actual number of the leader of China. And then, of course, the stigma. So here is wisdom, the Bible says. Let him that understand or let him that has understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. This is Revelation 13, 18, and his number is 603 score and six. Early biblical translators 
chose to spell out the number 666. 600, three score, and six. This is one of the rare exceptions in the English Bible where a number is spelled out instead of using a numeric representation. So it doesn't have six, 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 it spells out. This treatment of 666 brings focus to the individual characters which allow us to gain a further understanding of the mark of the beast. In other words, what 600 the Greek letter is, what 60 Greek letter is, what 6 Greek letter is. So if we look at the Greek, we see that 666 is represented with three letters, the chi, the z, and the stigma. The numeric values of these three Greek letters add up to 666. Now what I want to uh, look, I want you to see right now, and I sure do hope you're seeing this in this box here. I want you to notice the X, the chi, the X looking thing, and then the little hooks on this letter here, the crossbars. But look at the Z, the XI with these funky looking letters here. But look at the coiling of the serpent here in the 60. Okay, the three score, the Z, the serpent. Look at that look. And look at the stigma. Now, does that stigma not look like snakes in some kind of a coil? And now I want you to look carefully at the sixes here, if you can see them. And can you see this is the head of the snake, and it's coiled. Now, if you can see that, you see how the number six looks like the head of the snake is at the top. It's coiled at the bottom. So what I did was I did a little search of the snakes, okay? And the best thing I came up with in this, let me show you some of the pictures here, if I could... Uh, if I could get this out for us, let's see. I want to go to the snakes. Did I have the snakes? There they are. Okay. So I'm going to share this with you now, and I'll get back to the other, hopefully, uh, because I thought this was very, very interesting. So I want to uh, share my screen again. I want to, uh, I'll stop the screen sharing where I was. I'm going to share again. I'm going to share the screen. I'm going to share the screen. And I'm going to go to the Microsoft, and I'm going to go to this. Now, I want to show it. So here are some of the um, snakes. And if I can, I want to bring it down to one that I saw. These are all pictures of coiled snakes, okay? Um, and you see how, like on this one here, how it, it, it stands up a little bit. But I, th I, th I saw this one. Uh, let me do this real quick. I'm going to have to let, open this up and go here and bring it to the one I really thought was interesting with the look of a six. I don't think you could see this. You may be able to. Um, but the six looking one was, this was pretty close right here. So let me just get down to that. I'll minimize it. And let me see if I can get it. I don't think I can. Bummer. So I don't think I'm going to get that but I thought it was right on if you could see it. Mm. So one of them actually looked like a six. It was coiled like a snake. So let me get out of that for right now. Yeah, I think you get the picture of what's, what we're looking at here. Um, I, I hope you guys are seeing this on, on the YouTube. That's the only thing I can hope for. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back to my article here, okay, which is right here. 
and I want to stop the screen there and I want to share the screen. I want to share the screen and go here and I want to go to the edge and I'm going to go to the microchip and I'm going to share it. All right. So back to this. This is good. Um, you see that you see what's going on there with that, with the GZ stigma. Okay. Uh, did I read this? No, I did not. So here we go. So let's take a look at this. And I was looking at the box. It should be noted, it says down here. So we have the Qi, 600, the Z, the 60, the stigma. It should be noted that stigma is based on the ancient Greek digamma, the digamma, and must not be confused with the modern Greek sigma. It carried the meaning, the stigma, of a mark or a dot or a puncture or generally a sign from the verb to puncture, as well as a mark from a pointed instrument, often as a sign of ownership, a mark, a brand, or tattoo. So what's being said here? If you look at the word stigma, which they're focusing on in this article, that word, it, it comes from the ancient Greek, digamma, and it, it's not the sigma, okay? And the word digamma, which is where the stigma is directly connected with, is a mark, a dot, a puncture, or a sign to puncture, as well from a pointed instrument, often as a sign of ownership. The reason why these people are not able to kill themselves is they're not in control. They're under ownership. Now, if it's, a, if it's a microchip that they're planting, then the people who have control of the microchip control them. If it is the bite or the sting of a scorpion and their serum is in the body, but it has certain uh, metals that cause whatever is injected into the body to assemble itself uh, so that it, it, it's controllable, these people are not there. So again, the stigma is a mark of ownership. The only reason why someone would want to kill themselves and they can't is that their owners won't let them. They're not in control. So the people that are going to receive the mark of the beast are going to be owned and controlled to the degree they won't even be able to kill themselves. Now, the Strong's Concordance gives stigma the following definition. This is the Strong's Concordance. To stick a mark incised or punched for recognition of ownership, a mark. So to stick someone, right, or a mark incised or an incision or punched for recognition of ownership. Very interesting. All right, let's go a little bit further here. Let's go a little bit further. So I want to come down here, and I want to get over here, and I want to get to uh, ownership. There we go. Let's go right to here. Okay, let's go right to here. I think I did good right there. Let's see. There it is. All right, so let's go back here, and we'll go here, and we'll go here. So 
the definitions of stigma and karagma are remarkably similar. They both support the idea of a pointed instrument used to inject, in this article, a microchip. Today, maybe something else injected with a sharp-pointed instrument called a syringe that looks like a serpent's bite or a scorpion's sting that has the ability to enter into somebody and take total control of their being. That's what we're reading. That's what this is all about. This is not made-up information. Let's go on just a little further. Stigma has also made it into the English language where it's defined as a mark of infamy or disgrace. There's an obvious carryover from its use in Revelation. A token of perdition, the mark, okay? So this mark of infamy or disgrace. Philippians chapter 1, they say, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries. He's now talking to Christians, okay, to believers. In nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Our suffering would be not to take this mark, not to be injected with whatever it is they want to put in us to control us as a mark of ownership, right? So that may be our suffering to resist the mark of the beast, not to receive it, not to take it. To understand what it is through all this definition, I think we're getting close. Now, another intriguing definition of stigma in its English usage is token. Anyone familiar with digital security will recognize a token as a physical device that's used to gain various levels of access. That's exactly what a microchip implant is and a security token. In three-factor authentication, this is known as what you have. The other two factors are what you know, as in a password, a PIN number, etc., and what you are, as in biometrics, primarily face, iris, fingerprint, or vein scanning. Like microchips used for identification, a security token almost always carries a unique number on it. One must wonder if this somehow relates to the three-factor allegiance to the beast. The following news excerpts demonstrate the welcoming of such a security token. All right. I'm pretty sure I have basically done what I wanted to do. I'm pretty sure I did. Let me see if I could do this. Um, Yeah, I think I've done where I wanted to be with uh, the thoughts. They have these newspaper articles. They're talking about tokens. um, And there's a lot more to this. And then they have a conclusion. And I want to get to the conclusion because it just kind of wraps everything up and then we'll talk because there's more to be said about the unveiling of a mystery of where we are looking through the biblical lens. So let's go here. And let's go here. The conclusion of what we've talked about this morning, the Greek epi can be translated as in or on. Both are valid. Epi can also be translated as into, in a place, 
and among. All English versions prior to 1890 translate epi as in. The Greek karagma is translated a scratch or etching, a badge of servitude, graven, and mark. Karagma is also closely related to karax, which means to sharpen to a point. The English word graven, one of the definitions of karagma as listed above, is defined as to sculpt or carve, engrave, and to stamp or impress deeply or to fix permanently. So once this goes in, there is no turning back. The earliest use of the word karagma outside of the Bible describes the piercing bite of a snake. The fang of a snake closely resembles the syringe used to implant the very chip, maybe something else. The number 666 was written in the original Greek with the letters cheesy stigma. Now, isn't that where everything began in 2019 and 2020 out of China? And isn't President Xi the head of China? And isn't the mark maybe something that's being injected into people's bodies for these last year and a half to two years? Hmm. I wonder. The Greek stigma is defined as to stick a mark incised or punch for recognition of ownership. And mark, this definition is very close to that of the Greek karagma. The Greek letters chi and z both resemble a snake ready to bite. See that? The chi and the z resemble a snake ready to strike. This coincides with karagma as the bite of a snake and the piercing serpent, Satan who is associated with the beast of the sea. Stigma made it into the English language where it's defined as a mark of infamy or disgrace. Karagma, epi, and cheesy stigma all have important meanings. They paint the clear picture of a surface being punctured by a sharp point. After studying the Greek words, it's easy to see that the mark of the beast could be closely related to microchip implants like the very chip, which are injected through a syringe and are used heavily in commerce, or possibly the scorpion's bite or the venom of a snake liquid serum going into the body with different characteristics to be able to assemble something inside taking ownership of the body well i might not be that clever in trying to hide things so we could stay on youtube but you know what i mean so it's hard to ignore these similarities when the very chip has already been used to buy and sell, we must honestly weigh all the evidence when considering such a possibility. It's much more than just hype and coincidence, so take heed. And then he leaves us with Mark 13. Um, okay, let's get out there. Mark 13 says, tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming? Let's see, I got it microwave it here and what shall be the sign of thy coming right these all be fulfilled jesus answered them saying take heed lest any man deceive you for many shall come in my name saying i am christ and shall deceive many all right so take heed watch pray that's the admonition we couldn't agree more so now what we're going to do is uh, i'm going to stop sharing the screen i'm going to get back to our split screen i'm going to go back to our calls and I want to ask you a question. Did this unveil anything? And 
I want to get, go just a little bit, little bit deeper, okay, a little bit deeper. I was watching a uh, video, 26-minute. It was at the Economic Forum. Uh, Chancellor Markell and all the globalists were there. And a young man came out, probably in his 40s, I would imagine, at this point, maybe his 50s. Um, this young guy comes out, and he's getting ready to tell the world, and he does tell the world. And I could uh, maybe on another broadcast, I'll show you the video, where he is definitely, definitely a um, Darwinian. Uh, he does not believe in God. He believes in evolution. And so he's an atheist. And anything concerning God, he hates. Um, but he's telling the World Economic Forum, he's telling the globalist leaders of the world as they were sitting there like students in a classroom of kindergartners, and this man was telling them where everything was going technologically. And the whole idea is that he was saying that technologically speaking, that they are on the razor's edge of discovery on how to hack the human being. They talked about the importance of organisms. An organism could be uh, a banana. It could be a, a monkey. It could be a human being. All they needed was an organism, a living organism, and computer power. And they, he was talking about the ability that they now have through the connection of computer power that is connected to the signature of an individual. And the way that they develop the signature in their DNA is also through algorithms, and the algorithms, listen to this, this is their story, not mine. The algorithms will actually take the place of a person in this sense. They're saying that most people don't know themselves. He came out and he said when he was 29 years old, I think it was, that he discovered he was gay. And so this homosexual man is talking about a leading technology on how to hack the brain and through that technology and the algorithms, we'll actually be able to tell people who they are in their identity, if they're gay, straight, whatever. And because the algorithms know you better than yourself, and the way they've been picking up your algorithms is how you've taken on social media, the iPhone, the computer, the television, monitoring, observation, watching the computer power. So the purpose of the 5G towers is to bring as much computer power as necessary to finally hack the people. And by inserting and injecting into them certain connectors to the computer and their own DNA, I'm telling you, this is all conversation that the global elite are listening to. They're listening to a homosexual who cannot handle, listen carefully, I'm not just being mean here, I'm not trying to be mean, a homosexual man that cannot handle the guilt, the shame, and the condemnation of his homosexuality that has to eradicate God conscience. So he says, we're not looking for a God in the clouds. We've created our own cloud. 
iCloud, Google Cloud, okay? And we are God. That's where he's going. Because he cannot handle the God gene in him that condemns him for his homosexual lust and perversion, right? So he's got to eradicate God, get God out of the way, and he's got to get algorithms to tell us who we are. He actually told the story of little boys and girls going to a really boring birthday party, and they're so bored, but someone says, hey, why don't we go take the test of the algorithms to see what identity we really are? How fun that would be, he said. Interesting, huh? This is the razor's edge. This is the acceleration. And when 5G towers and then 6G towers strengthen the computation, the computers of information, so the intel and the biochemistry, all these technologies, they'll take over the human race. They'll control them. The algorithms will tell them what to eat, what to drink, what to drive, what kind of a house to buy. Because we've studied your biometrics and chemistry and responses and eye twitches so carefully, we know you better than you know you. The algorithms know you. Now, who's going to control that? Well, what he suggested as a homosexual man, if you want to sell me juicy fruit gum or Coca-Cola, don't send a topless woman down the beach. Send a topless man in your commercial to sell Coca-Cola or juicy fruit. And he said that this information will be worth billions. And that's where things are going right now. Have you not felt the strangeness of the times that you were living in? Have you not ever wondered as though they're trying to figure my brain out? I heard long ago, years ago, that, you, that they were able to control the temperament of crowds, that they were able to control. If there was a mob, an angry mob, they would actually do something, release a sound wave that would tone it down. Or if they wanted to raise up a mob, they would send another tone wave, and they would raise up the mob. This was years ago. The sound waves, the manipulation of the human being is happening. And they are trying to get God out of the equation. That's why they don't want us on their YouTube or Internet. God forbid somebody is listening and they get it and they go, oh, my gosh, that sounds really biblical. That's amazing that something could have been written 2,000 years ago that makes sense today as one looks through the Bible as, as a biblical lens to the final prophecy known as the book of Revelation of what would be happening in the last days. Wow, maybe I better not do that. Maybe I better not take that scorpion strike or not live a way that the scorpion will strike me. Maybe I need to turn to Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, for my salvation and, and, and flee to God and receive the mercy of God and the love of God and the grace of God and the forgiveness of God for my rebellion and my wickedness, and I will confess my sin and repent of my sin so that that serpent, that scorpion, will not strike me and I will be forever doomed. Forever doomed. 
You see, but they're controlling temperaments. They're watching. They're listening. On your phone, you know it. I know it. It's almost to the point now you think a thought about it is showing up on your phone. Why? Because I believe of the integration between the computer of the brain and the global computer of all this stuff. My daughter introduced me to a movie called The Cell. I tried to watch it. I couldn't watch it because it was nasty, quite frankly, and it was gross. And there were a few choice words we don't want to hear. So we undo it, get it off. But what was The Cell all about? People were on their phones, Hollywood telling you what they're doing again, and all of a sudden, the 5G towers, they were showing 5G towers, and all of a sudden, these people were taken over by the information on the cells, and they became zombified, right? And it gets crazy after that. Hollywood has been trying to show and tell for a long time. I personally marvel at the book of Revelation for being so intelligent that the spirit of the living God, see, that's why in all that we do, we, we turn people's attention in the body of Christ to the feast of the Lord. You know why we turn people to the feast of the Lord? Because that's a divine distraction from the global garbage that's going on out there. So when people draw near to God, there's going to be a divine uh, impartation, a divine blessing into their lives and in their mind to protect them to get around the word of God. Now, we've taken the week off, supposedly. We've been working on projects and coming on this program because I feel it's that important. And, and we're, we're, we're navigating right now where God wants us to go in everything. And so, but how important is it for us to be part of the feast and, and, and looking at the word and following the word and getting acquainted with the Holy Spirit so that the spirit of God, you know, uh, their technology, they want to tell you who you are. It used to be that in the church, the spirit of God would come on somebody and they'd have a word of knowledge a word of wisdom, a prophetic utterance. They would foretell. The Spirit of God is still higher authority and power than the global algorithms. But you can see how their antichrist is not against, it's opposed to. Rather than God, we have technology. Rather than a man prophesying or a woman prophesying, we have an algorithm that tells you who you are. See, the Spirit is so far advanced, but how many people are walking in the Holy Spirit? How many Christians are operating under the blood, staying under Psalm 91? Because if we're walking in the flesh, death is going to come. That's what the Bible says. So, it's important to follow the feast. I love the feast. Unleavened bread, baby, you got it. Passover lamb of God, you got it. I am going to sow my offering. I'm going to let God minister to my spirit, soul, and body so that I will have everything I need when the time comes because God will bless me for doing what he asked me to do. I will have all my needs met. I'll be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing with the right people right now, and I will not get caught into the garbage, not just because I don't willpower it, but because I walk in the spirit. And the intelligence of the Holy Spirit is greater than an algorithm. Because no matter what algorithm they're picking up in your sensory realm, there's a realm that they cannot pick up. 
It's the Holy Spirit of God. And you and I must become so acquainted with the Holy Spirit of God that we will not be able to be manipulated. There will be a divine defense around us. That's why participating in sin, touching unclean things, doing godless things is so dangerous right now. It's always been dangerous. But man, you get caught today. Like it says in Second Peter, they were once escaped, but then they were entangled again. Their latter end is worse than their beginning because they could not escape. No, no. You get caught in what Jesus said, as a snare it's coming on the whole earth and they shall not escape. You don't want to get caught in the snare. Come out of Babylon. That's what it's all about. That's what we're praying about. Is it time to come out of her, my people? And some people are saying, yeah, long ago. But God has us continually doing this to get more information to people that need to be further convinced you're living in the end times. You're living in the last days. You're living in the reality of what the word of God said would be. You need to understand it carefully because you can be like sheep led to the slaughter. Every one of us could. The Holy Spirit of God. Now, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, it's all about getting sin out of your life so that you can be led by the Holy Spirit. It's really difficult to follow the Holy Spirit while sinning at the same time. I mean, if you're watching or doing or if you're sinning in any area of your life and you know it, how could you be led by the Holy Spirit? How could you really be led by the Holy Spirit? I don't care how many people we could fool. You can't sin and then be led by the Holy Spirit at the same time. So unleavened bread is about confessing sin and then repenting from it. And then following the Holy Spirit and getting on the right track and getting to where you need to really be. Because quite frankly, if you're walking in sin, you don't know where you are and you really don't know where you're supposed to be going. That's a fact. So why the cry? Well, because it's late. It's really, really late. And whether people want to hear it or not, if there's one person that God sent me on this airway to today to just tell this information to. I told you, it's here. The information I shared with you while not being my own, but it's out there and you connect it with the information that God's given us in his word, it's undeniable what time it is. You just have to see it, understand it, even though we tried to be careful. And you know what? Satan is focusing on hardcore believers because the challenge of his pride is I could beat you. He wants to take the prophets of God and he wants those prophets to prophesy lies in the name of the Lord. He wants those prophets to be peace and safety and security. America's great. It's going to be okay. They are not even seeing the realms beyond Americanism and nationalism. If you're an American citizen, you are a citizen of Gomorrah. That's what the Bible says. You're proud to be an American? Well, you're proud to be a citizen of Sodom and Gomorrah, for goodness sake. Woe to you leaders of Sodom and you people of Gomorrah. No, you're either a kingdom citizen or you are a satanic 
You're a citizen of the satanic kingdom. Proud to be American stuff is gone. I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know what people, where people are. The false prophets have deceived them into an American exceptionalism that it's all going to be okay. And further delusion is going to come. And that's the fact. That's the truth. I'm sorry it hurts, but sometimes the truth hurts. This isn't about American. This is about one direction or another, heaven or hell, light or darkness, death or life. And they're coming after your soul. And the stronger of a Christian that you are, Satan is concentrating all of his energy, all of his algorithm, all of his computation, all of his biochemistry, all of his technology. He's using everything and demons and spirits to come after you because he wants to gloat over the strong Christians who he's going to turn away from God and possess their soul. You say it can't happen because you believe in once saved, always saved. You are under a strong delusion. There is no such thing as now I believe in Jesus, so I'm set forever. Nowhere in the scripture is that taught. You can leave the loving arms of Christ. You can turn away and defect from the truth. You can receive the mark through deception. You can fall away. You can. And this is the time where he's going after those who have been sleepy, at ease. And he's coming for your brain. He's coming for your mind, your soul, which is supposed to be protected by the Holy Spirit. But you have to be led by the Spirit. You have to follow the Spirit. You can grieve the Spirit. You can quench the Spirit. You can break the seal if you so choose. And what's coming, choices will be made. It's just an amazing time, folks. And let's read some of the articles. Thank God some of the people are out here today. If you have any questions or comments, call into the program, 818-369-0326. I want to say good morning. By the way, my wife sends me this sign every morning. What did it say? It said, put the prayer line up there. I got to put the prayer line up because if I don't, I'm going to be in trouble. Okay. So, and I don't say that. This is, this is awesome. You need prayer. You need prayer right now. You need to call that number. Maybe you're thinking, maybe you're, this conversation has got you into a place of, whoa, I don't know what's going on. Where am I at? I need help. I need strength. I need Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm in sin. I can't seem to confess it and repent. I'm in bondage to some demon. I need prayer. I need help. Call that number right now. Call it or text it anytime you want to. Write it down, 479-233-3774. Now, I want to say good morning to Laquita. Laquita, God bless you. And I'm going to say something. All the new wine ministry family that's out there, now I'm going to tell you privately Saturday. Never mind. Laquita, good morning. Megan Cotton, good morning. God bless you. Keith Carey, good to see you, sir. God bless you. Kevin Hauger, good morning. Pastor, good morning to you, Kevin. Carol Page, Carey, good morning, Pastor V. Ready to receive a word from the Lord. I hope you did. Praise God. Um, Melissa Fletcher, good morning, church. Good morning, Pastor Business. So good to see you this morning. Good to be seen. God bless you, Pastor Melissa Fletcher. Uh, Joyce Shelton, good morning. Good morning, Joyce. Keith Carey says, very nice pictures. Okay, that's good. Keith, I was just reading about venom being introduced 
to Big Pharma. Wow, Keith, that's amazing. Kind of confirms what we've been talking about. Autumn Nichols, good morning. Humans are now hackable animals. Yuval Noah Harari. He's the guy. He's the guy I was talking about. You got it. Of the WEF, World Economic Forum. That's right. Autumn Nichols also says, Autumn says, the 5G towers are going up at a rapid pace here in Northwest Arkansas. I've witnessed that as well. Keith Carey says, Obama was going to fund research on the brain. I think he wanted to persuade people to vote Democrat. Okay. Autumn Nichols. Yes, I have documented twice of only thinking about something and then immediately seeing an ad. That's right. More further information. And then Autumn says, my heart is telling me that my wilderness is a completely electromagnetic field-free area. The Bible tells us to flee to the mountains. I don't think it's a coincidence that mountains are natural EMF shields. You got it. You got it. Well, God bless you. Keith Carey, Jesus says, no one can take them, us, out of my hand. No one can take, but people can leave. Once saved, always saved. False doctrine. Please look and search out the scripture. People will defect from the truth. They'll leave it. Nobody's taking anybody. Be careful. All right. Work out your salvation for trouble. All right. I'm down to my last moments here. I don't think I have much time left. Watch out for the scorpion. Watch out for this guy. Protect yourself under the blood. Psalm 91. We'll talk more. Maybe tomorrow. God bless you, saints. I love you. Listen to it again. Share the information. Study it. Have a great day.